Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back. We've got a great episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast for you today. We had some listeners want us to talk to someone, uh, a, a female in the outdoor industry, or a female bow hunter. Uh, we really hadn't had that perspective on um, up until this point, a little bit with uh, Pat and Amber when we had them on. We, we had some requests for that from the listeners. And while we were at ATA, we ran into um, Chrissy Hay Knox. Uh, she's one of the ambassadors for Bowtech. Uh, she was working in the booth um, with the bows there and struck up a conversation. And, uh, you know, she just really seemed like a really good fit for us to have on the podcast. It just took a little bit longer to get her on. And um, I got to say, going back through and editing this one and, and the conversation that we had, it was one of the more fun podcasts that we've had. She's great and uh, really, really down to earth and a true outdoorsman. I mean, um, one of the reasons, and we kind of get into it in the podcast is, you know, you see these pictures on social media of, uh, you know, females, you know, with big bucks or elk or, you know, all these things. And it just poses a lot of questions. And so we kind of talked through a lot about that and females in the the outdoor industry and things like that. Just what a great, great podcast. Super fun. So, um, yeah, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Um, and we didn't even get into it. Um, you can follow along with her on Facebook she is uh, Chrissy K, Botech Ambassador, and Chrissy A. Knox on Instagram. So you can check her check her out and follow along. Um, you know, with all of her hunts, and she killed a giant um, Oregon mule deer this year, and she talks about that on the on the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all I got for the intro. You know, follow along with us on Instagram, YouTube facebook and you know if you like what we're doing please leave us a review 
um, you know, that helps us get out in front of more people. And, um, you know, if you really want to help out and support the show, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And uh, you can donate to the show and, you know, kind of help us. We're headed to Missouri here. Um, you know, as soon as this podcast gets out, Frank and Ernie are leaving, and then I'll be leaving uh, this weekend and be headed out to Missouri. And you can follow us along uh, with all of our exploits with that. But um, that's pretty much all I got. Enjoy the podcast. Hey everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Yes, that's right. I said John. He's been gone for a month's worth of podcasts to this point. So, um, John, how the heck are you? You remember how to do this? I'm trying. I'll figure it out, I guess, as we go. <laughs> so um, today we got a special guest on here, uh, somebody we met at ATA. Um, we had some listeners that um, wanted to talk to um, a female in the hunting industry and, um, you know, it was kind of hard to find a good fit for us. Um, there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, are just on TV and they're just, you know, I don't know, coddled, I guess, um, for lack of a better term, or people that just want to push product or something like that. And uh, we happened to run into um, this lady here, Chrissy Haynox, at the ATA show at the Bowtech booth. And uh, it it was a pretty what do, what do they call those kind of introductions the uh, from a, the movie The Holiday a meet cute I think <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty neat so um, we're going to talk to her a little bit about uh, females in the hunting industry and uh, I think we got a really good one for you today so um, how are you doing today Chrissy I am doing great I am doing awesome I'm I'm, I'm excited to do this podcast with you guys. Well, that makes the first guest that we've had that's excited to be on with us, so <laughs> we, we certainly appreciate it. Oh, you betcha. Yeah, so well, we when we met at ATA, um, for anybody that's not familiar with ATA, like there's these booths full of bows, right? And uh, you never know who is the person that's handing you the bow. I know the first year we were there, John's like, look over there at that booth, that's real wild. He's he's just handing out bows, you know. He's, he's letting you shoot them. So Frank got a new bow tech this year, and uh, he was shooting all of them and taking a look at them. And John's explaining to him um, all of the intricacies, the changes of the the different bows, you know, different cams and the, the modules and how they switched them up and made them better and stuff. So, and then you know, Chrissy was the one that was handing out the bows, and she says. Oh, yep, I remember that. And John's saying, remember, they used to have to this and that. And saying, yep, 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 I remember that. And so John's like, are you a factory shooter for Bowtech? She's like, no, I'm just a hunter. And we were like, wait a minute, hold on here. And, uh, I mean, is that your your recollection? It is. It exactly is. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, of course, I was like, well, you know, you know, we have a podcast. Would you like to be on? And you're like, yeah, I don't know, like, you know, you can probably find me on Facebook. It's something I can do. And I'm like, well, just give me your phone number. And John's like, well, yeah, you can't <laughs> just that. you can't just do that. And I'm like, well, it's just easier that way. I mean, I have to call her anyways. So, you know, and you know, John's like, my wife would kill me. And I'm like, my wife doesn't care. Like, <laughs> you got a you got a, a woman's phone number at ATA. You're never going back. <laughs> 
So. Oh, I'm no threat whatsoever. <laughs> but, and I thought you were like a little bit uh, taken aback too. You're like, oh, well, like, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> well, it's sometimes you know you get people like, oh yeah, we'll call you, and they never do, you know. So it's like somebody's like, okay, I'm going to get your number now. We're going to do this, and you did it. So I, I'm good with that. I'm good. You had a plan, and you put it in place. So yeah, and I feel <laughs> bad. It's 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 taken this long, but. You know, it's just a matter of timing. And then with, you know, when I reached out to you, it was like, well, your seasons are here and here and then life and yep. everything. And um, so, um, you know, from from that introduction, give us a little bit of background and uh, kind of how you like, what were you doing there at ATA at the booth and, um, you know, kind of go, go through there? Well, I mean, as far as how I ended up kind of in the outdoor industry, it was almost on accident. I mean, as far as growing up, I grew up in an outdoors family. We were rifle hunters. I mean, my dad had me out when I was, I was in my first deer camp when I was four months old. I mean, that's when it started. And um, that's what we did. We didn't go to Disneyland. We didn't go to Hawaii. We hunted. That was our vacations. And it just so happened I was usually the only girl in hunting camp. I only had one girl cousin, all the rest were boys. So I never realized how unique it was to be a girl in hunting camp. I just figured, okay, I'm the only girl, you know, all the other girls I know are out there hunting with their dads. So I never really thought much of it growing up. And um, when I got into about college, um, it got really hard in Oregon to draw your rifle tags. We weren't able to get them every year like normal. Um, So we were drawing tags every two or three years and it just, it, it wasn't working for me. So my brother, um, Ryan and I, um, who I do everything with as far as hunting, we're best friends and hunting partners. We decided we'd buy bows, you know, something to do in the off season, you know, in between drawing rifle tags. And little did we know that when that happened, we were switching gears completely for the rest of our lives. We have been absolutely hooked on archery ever since then. And that was like I said, going on, gosh, you know, 20 years ago, got to be getting close. And, um, and we just kind of, you know, we made our mistakes. We really didn't know much about archery. We knew nothing about shooting and hunting animals in the rut. we had only hunted. So we, um, you know, jumped in, went to all the seminars in our, in our little town, um, and just tried to learn as much as we could and made a ton of mistakes. And, you know, after a few years, we started seeing a little bit of success and kind of started figuring it out. And, um, you know, we kind of had the attitude of, gosh, you know, there's a lot of people that didn't grow up with a hunting background, you know, at least we rifle hunted and knew, you know, we had, we had mentors in our families, our grandpa, our dad and our uncles. And so we had a lot of guidance growing up and, you know, we got to thinking about how many people don't have that. What do they do? How do they even get started? So it kind of got us interested in helping people and teaching and kind of sharing what we know and you know, paying it forward. And from there, it just kind of happened organically. We never, we never really sought out to be part of the outdoor industry. Um, it wasn't ever a goal of ours. We just loved to hunt. And we loved to share it with others. And um, we kind of started, you know, making friends with people, other people in the industry. And being a brother-sister team, I think that was kind of unique. You know, we had, it was completely out of our control, but it was a good platform. People seemed to think it was cool that a brother and sister hunted together. And um, we got approached by, you know, a couple companies and started working with them and using that as a platform to teach. You know, it gave us a much bigger audience. Um, and that's just kind of how it grew from there. We started working with more and more companies, and, and it allowed us to reach more people. And that's just kind of how it happened. 
Um, it wasn't anything, you know, we were looking to do. And, um, you know, if, if it were to all go away tomorrow, it wouldn't change anything we're doing. We'd still be the crazy bow hunters in the woods every September, but it's sure nice to be able to share it with people that have the same passion as us. Um, so that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I could talk about it for hours, but that's pretty much kind of how our journey started and where it's at today. And so, you know, you had mentioned that you were in Oregon, so that's where you mm-hmm. grew up and, and everything. Yep. What, what are the, I mean, uh, so speaking of, um, the born and raised crew from, <laughs> from, from, from Oregon, you know, we've, we've had Trent on here, but until, yeah. you know, John introduced me to like their series and everything that was going on. I mean, you, mm-hmm. uh, from Michigan, the Midwest, you know, we're whitetail centric. And then if you go somewhere to go elk hunting, you're basically going to go to Colorado or, right. you know, you know, Montana, Montana West, you know, somewhere like that. I mean, I think Idaho, yep. in this area, I think, you know, that, the, that would be the place to go is like Those oh yeah, the target states. yeah go yeah. To, go to Colorado and so what is the the hunting climate like in Oregon and the species and seasons and, and kind of like like that so like here in Michigan we generally grow up you know starting off with small game being squirrels or grouse or pheasants depending mm-hmm. on where you're at and then you know turkey and deer and the, yeah. that's kind of it unless you draw a tag for a bear or mm-hmm. once in a lifetime elk tag. So. Yeah. Right. Um, in Oregon, you there we do have a lot of general seasons um, for big game and and like turkeys and and game birds. Um, as far as getting you know getting out in the woods for the first time, we have we do have some great programs in place. We have a youth mentor program where you can essentially let a kiddo hunt off of your tag, and they can do that at the age of nine. Um, and as, like I said, we have lots of general seasons. Um, so even if you're, if you're not drawing, you know, the primo, what they consider the primo tags, you can, you can get out in the woods if you really want to, you can get out in the woods every year. Um, as far as when you first get started, I'd say deer is probably the most popular first animal. Um, just because we have, we have three species in Oregon. We have blacktail, mule deer, and whitetail, which is pretty awesome. Um, turkey is very prevalent in Oregon. It wasn't a big thing when I was growing up. We just didn't have the populations and, and maybe it just wasn't something my family targeted, but my son, um, is eight now. And he actually, um, if he, with his hunter safety course, he can actually hunt turkeys on his own tag right now, um, which is awesome. And turkeys are a great, you know, there, there's so many of them. Um, and especially with kiddos, you can, you can get, you know, permission from private landowners to let a kiddo go, go out there and have that first experience as well. Um, so I'd say turkey and deer are probably the kind of what most kids cut their teeth on here. Um, I w- I'm not a huge waterfowl or upland game bird hunter, mostly just because I don't have the time with all with my archery hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never see my family or go to work if I took up those. Um, but a lot of families will do that as well. But as far as, you know, kind of getting into that big game um, side of the fence. Uh, blacktail is a big one because our seasons are so long on the west side and turkey on the west side are very prevalent. You can shoot five a year right now, which is, gr- is is a lot for Oregon. Yeah. I'd say that's a lot for anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so when you, when you say hunting camp, was your mm-hmm. hunting camp 
primarily a deer camp or was it elk or bear or any of the other species or was it just a, a deer camp? When I was little, primarily the ones that the whole family went on were our deer camp. Um, we hunted Eastern Oregon and um, the further you got into the season, you got into snow and ice. Um, so typically the elk season was more, you know, the guy's trip. That is until I got old enough to hunt elk and they realized they need, they had to have a girl in camp. <laughs> <laughs> but but as far as deer camp, that was the one my mom would go on, my aunts, you know, and, and the younger kids where they could hang out in camp. And it was, you know, it, the weather was warm. We could we could actually go out with our dad and um, enjoy the enjoy the hunt a little more. So typically when I say hunting camp, it was 90 percent of the time deer. And when you, you switched over then to archery, like what was the equipment and the the learning curve? Where did you get your information for for that? I mean, so even though it doesn't, it seems like an eternity ago, it doesn't seem like that mm -hmm. long ago e either way, um, you know, 20 years in the, um, yes. there was no social media or YouTube or mm -hmm. anything like that. So starting out with, with archery equipment for the first time, having no background, um, what was that learning curve like and where did you get your information? How did you start off and what was your equipment? Okay. Um, well, uh, <laughs> it was, it was really looking back at, you know, all the, what archery entails and what I know is important now, I was completely in the dark then. So I guess I didn't realize how much I didn't know. Um, but like anything, I, you know, we weren't afraid to put our boots in the dirt and go out and do, and do what we knew to do in, in the deer woods and, you know, how we, we knew how deer behave and what you could get away with. Um, so we knew the basics of hunting, but I mean, the first time, you know, you try to rattle in a buck or bugle in a bull, I mean, we, oh gosh, I would love to have video of the first time I shot a bow or went hunting. I rattled in a buck to eight yards and didn't even have a clue he was there because I didn't really believe it would work. <laughs> you know, it's like, and now I look back on that and go, oh my gosh, I could have had a Pope and Young blacktail my first day out in the field. <laughs> and I didn't even have a clue he was there, nor did I believe it was going to even work. So um, I quickly started figuring out that um, I didn't know very much. So we, we were really lucky in our area. Um, I lived in a, just one town over from Scott and Tiffany Haugen. Um, who, at least in our area, are huge, and they they were so good about sharing information, and they did a ton of seminars. They made themselves very available to especially our local public um, as they were getting started. So I I used to pick their brain a lot and go to every seminar I could, um, and just I got I got to know them through email. I'd ask them questions. Um, and then just hit the woods. I mean, honestly, 90% of what I know, I've learned from just making the mistakes. And our, I mean, our, our equipment is, <laughs> it was rough. I, I <laughs> it was rough. I, I mean, my bow fit me, but it was nothing. And I, I actually wish I still had it now just to compare how that, how my old equipment felt. I mean, I, I was carrying around, you know, a $20 pair of binoculars, didn't know what a rangefinder was or that I would even want one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm wearing my brother and my dad's camo because they didn't have anything from women back then. I was going to the army surplus store, you know, trying to find pants and, um, it, it was, it was old school, definitely old school and, um, didn't know, you know, much about calling. 
I, I knew nothing and I hadn't, I mean, thank God, because had I known that, you know, getting into archery was like a $5,000 investment or more, I might might have changed my mind, (laughs) but yeah, I just, I really didn't have anything. I mean, I, I was using my college backpack. If, if I took a pack, I mean, I, that was back in the day where you just threw a candy bar, you know, and a knife in your pocket and called it good. You know, I'm ready for the day. Um, yeah. So I, I had no idea I'd someday be, you know, hiking in five, six miles and would need everything under the sun in my pack. I never imagined I would be, I would be doing that. So, um, I, I did, I probably looked like an idiot walking through the woods, um, with no clue as to what I was doing <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, aside from the, the looking like an idiot part or in your own, in your own <laughs> I mind. I still do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> was, you, you know, and you said there was a lot of uh, women that, that hunted in your area or, or things like that. There were girls that hunted. Was that typical uh, for, um, for your area? actually wasn't. I just assumed they were. There really weren't that many girls hunting, but it being pretty much, I was a lot of times the only girl in, like that hunted in my family I was the only like kid that was a girl um, a lot of times in camp and I I didn't think that was weird I just figured oh well I'm the only girl here so I'm the only one hunting you know so I just assumed all the other little girls were out hunting with their dads little did I know that wasn't the case <laughs> that that I was you know my, my family didn't didn't make me feel special in that perspective i mean obviously i was special to them but they didn't make me feel like i was special just because i was hunting i was one of the guys i was expected to do everything the boys did um and that's just how it was so i didn't i had no idea that it was a unique thing to be a female hunter i had no clue i had absolutely no idea that that was someday i would find out that that was very unique does that make sense yeah yeah. yeah, and and then um, because I I mean I have a four year old daughter and mm-hmm. John's got daughters too, but um, it, so was there a a difference like I mean did you notice anything like different at school or things like that? I mean one of the the, the reason that I ask is like the the differences in like not necessarily like peer pressure, but like the, mm-hmm. the group think type thing. I mean, so my daughter's for her closest cousin or the, the, cl- the cousin that she's closest with is a girl who's six. Um, I shot a deer, I shot two deer last year, you know, mm-hmm. my father-in-law shot deer, you know, the year before. And, you know, my daughter's been out there with a butter knife saying, I need a sharper <laughs> knife, daddy. Come on. Like, let's, <laughs> you know, this year was kind of like a, different scenario with the CWD and stuff. I had to take it and have the head cut off before I brought it home. So it probably wasn't the most ideal situation, but she's over there with her cousin and her cousin's like, that's disgusting. I'll never hunt. (laughs) And my daughter is like, that's disgusting. And then, you know, the, the, my niece is saying, you know, hunting isn't for girls. And and my daughter's like, yeah, it's not for girls, but sometimes it is right. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, just seeing like the, the interaction in like the, Mm -hmm. the social influence, um, you know, so was there any of that, like in your, in your life? Cause it seems like you were a little bit, you know, I, I mean, I'm just picturing like, you know, army pants and a ponytail, (laughs) a Snickers bar and a, old school bow heading into the woods and then you come out and then there's it's homecoming or 
something like that, you know, like well, how's the, the, the... <laughs> well, but that's even funnier that you mentioned that because I went to a tiny, I grew up in a very tiny town uh, until high school. I went to a school where I only had three kids in my class and oh my I goodness. was the only girl at that time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, there were girls in my school and I had a couple of girls in my class throughout the years. But when I, when I was in eighth grade, there were three of us and I was the only girl. Um, and then when I went to high school, I still had a very tiny class. Um, I think there were 28 of us and there were only five or six girls. So there was not a lot of girls that I grew up with. Um, and, uh, that being, that being said, the whole homecoming thing, that was a funny thing too, because I actually was the homecoming queen. (laughs) (laughs) And the only reason I was able to be there for the game is because they did it in between deer and elk season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I grew up in a very tiny town and I didn't realize that girls didn't hunt, you know, quote unquote, um, until I got into high school and none of, none of my girlfriends did, they they just didn't hunt. And I was like, what do you mean you don't hunt? What's wrong with, you know, you're the weird ones, not me. And, uh, so that was kind of then that my eyes were open to, Hmm, that, you know, this isn't what typically girls do, but it's what I'm all about. And by then it was so ingrained in, in my psyche that there was, there was no going back. Nobody was going to, you know, change my mind about that. Um, and to this day, those same friends I had in high school, in grade school, um, support me fully. And it's funny, none, still none of them hunt. I, I always thought I might get some of them out in the woods, but none of them hunt, but they always supported me. So it was about that time that I realized that, hmm, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a minority when I'm out in the woods, but I didn't care. It, that's all right. That's, and, I, and I still didn't view myself as being special or unique in any way. I didn't, I didn't want anybody to treat me any different. I didn't want to be, and they didn't. My family was, they treated me just like one of the boys. And that's how I wanted it and still how I want it. And that's how I would raise a girl if I had one. I only have one boy, but that's how I'd raise my daughter as well. And then from that understanding of like a, like when you came to the realization that it was uh, somewhat of, for lack of a better term, a minority position, you know, mm-hmm. in, in hunting and in that. Um, and as you started to down the path into the industry, how have you seen mm-hmm. that change you know, from that beginning time up up until now? It has changed a lot. And that's kind of where we, we get into the social media aspect. Um, Before social media, you know, you didn't, you didn't hear a lot about other women hunters unless you saw them on TV. And even then there just weren't a lot of them. Um, As social media kind of became a thing, I was actually a little hesitant about that. For one, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be a target. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to be the center of attention by any means. Um, and I guess that's where it's been nice having, having a partner in it. My, my brother being a team, you know, we kind of do it together. So I've, I've never been alone in it, but I just feel like there are a lot of people that if it weren't, if social media were to disappear tomorrow, so would their hunting careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, and, and I just feel like that that's what a lot of people see and it's unfortunate. Um, so I just, I'm all about keeping it real. You're not, 
you know, I, while I represent companies, I'm not big on being a salesman. You're not going to see me post 10 times a day about this product. You're not, you know, I, I'd rather put my boots in the dirt and show that I use the products and, and be, be a representative that way. Um, for not just for women, but for hunters in general, you know, keep it classy, keep it respectful, um, be real about it. Um, because that's what hunters, that's what the world needs to see. We're dealing with a lot of antis or just non hunters that aren't educated. And I, I just, I want them to see the real side of hunters, the ones that would still be doing it tomorrow if social media went away. Um, and, and I, and I, there's a ton of them out there. I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing anybody. There's, there's a lot of us out there. Um, but it is important for me. Um, that's, that's what I want to be about as far as social media is being real, being approachable. Um, I don't want it to be just about me. I, I don't want to be perfect. I want to show people, um, you know, that hunters make mistakes. I, I want to be, I want to be approachable. I want to be somebody, a woman or guy, a kid can message me and just say, Hey, I saw this post, you know, um, just wondered if I could ask you a few questions. I want to be that person for somebody. I don't want to, I don't want to just be showboating on, on social media. So I hope if I, if I ever were to do that, I hope somebody would slap me <laughs> and tell me to get off. <laughs> And so, you know, that's, I, I think that's kind of like where it is today and kind of, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of the things that I have a lot to say on that, I think, but, mm-hmm. um, how, what was it like before all the social media? Cause you were kind of there before that and mm-hmm. kind of got to see the gradual influx of, um, like we talked about before, like I said, mm-hmm. the, the, the hunters that have the bow upside down the quote-unquote hunters and the you know they have (laughs) drawn back and no arrow knocked and you know just all all sorts of things but you know they're getting ready for the season you know (laughs) so what was it like prior to you know it was it was nice to be to be honest um it was i mean i guess in a selfish way because your world was just your own you could do what you loved Um, And honestly, as far as as a woman's concerned, I I do feel like on social media, good, bad or indifferent, women get um, probably extra good attention. You know, if you if you kill it back, I feel like you're going to get more comments than a guy would that shoots the same buck. Um, And I don't believe that's fair, but I think that is the case. But on the flip side of that, I also think women get more negative attention. You know, a woman goes over and, you know kills a big bull or, and, and some anti-hunter sees that they're going, I just feel like they view that as easier prey maybe. Um, or it's just more, more noticed because she's a woman. So I also feel that that's unfair that she's going to get more negative attention that way. Um, so before social media, you didn't have to deal with any of that. Um, usually like in my little town before social media, if I killed a buck, Everybody that knew me was like, right on, Chrissy, you know, that's awesome. It was a good thing. You know, nobody, I never got any negative attention for that um, where anybody was attacking me. And then as social media started, I remember my son was six months old and we were on the cover of um, Oregon Bowhunter magazine. And, and it was the cutest little picture. I did, like I said, I, I half the time forget which, which bucket was, even was just because he was so cute on the cover of that. And I actually got hate mail and death threats 
from people saying they would love to be able to kill my baby. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, this is for real, Mike. And you're, I'm the monster. <laughs> right. I put meat in my freezer, and you want to, you know, behead my baby, and I'm the bad guy here. Um, so that was my first taste of how ignorant and how awful people can really be, especially behind a keyboard, you know, these keyboard warriors that aren't looking you in the eye and saying this, but they could say whatever they want through an email or a message or on a post. Um, so that was a real eye opener to me and it set the course for how I wanted to portray myself, um, and my family as, as a hunter. And as, as I grew in the industry and got more involved, um, I, I was, definitely more careful I, I, w- I wouldn't say posted any less I mean I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a hunter I'm gonna be proud of it but I want to present things in a way that I'm not giving anti-hunters or um, haters more ammo to attack me or other hunters or other women um, so I it definitely changed how I represent myself and the and the companies I work with yeah, when you talk about it not being fair, um, I will. I'll tell you a hundred percent. Like when you're when you're saying that, like I, I think about like even like the scope that I look at things through, um, mm-hmm. and I would say that it's a hundred percent like not fair. Um, you know, anytime I see like a pretty girl and a big buck, I always mm-hmm. think about like what are the circumstances behind it. Like was yeah. it did, was it guided? Was it you know, uh, you know, who really shot it? Like, all, was it just right. for likes? Is it for, you know, and, right. and, and, who, who field dressed it after that picture was taken? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different things and uh, it's not fair. Um, no, no, no. but, um, I get it. it. It's, it's a really hard, like stigma to break or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So I think like, you know, kind of what you're doing and like telling the whole story, Mm-hmm. Um, is I I think valuable because I think a lot of times it, it that's exactly it, yeah. and you know I've got a, a a sister who hunts and you know she's as like mean as they get and she she's grew up with three older brothers and you know she got a hunting rifle for her graduation gift as well. Uh, because she didn't want to do anything that, that was outside of the family. You know, she's like, well, I'm going to go to hunting camp. Yep. She was the first girl at hunting camp and all of that. And yeah, still hasn't killed a deer with her bow. She's shot a couple and we haven't recovered them. And it's just yeah. one of those, one of those things. But, you know, I still think she doesn't gut her own deer, you know, and I don't <laughs> right. know that that's necessarily fair, but that's like the, the realization of, of the way right. that it is. Right. And, and as long as you own it, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's things everyone does and you have your strengths. Um, and it, it's however you do it. I mean, there's girls that put on makeup before they go out hunting. You know, if that's what, if that's what they want to do, fine, you know, own it. I, I don't do that. I'd rather sleep the extra half hour, but I would never give somebody a hard time for doing it their way. You know, as long as they're, you know, that's, that's what makes them happy. They're being true to themselves and not faking it. Otherwise just be who you are and own it. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure I have pictures where, you know, if I send it somewhere, they're like, gosh, couldn't she have put on a little <laughs> lip gloss or cleaned herself up a bit before she sent us this picture? 
but that's not me. So I'll own that. If you don't want my picture, fine. But, um, but yeah, just being true to yourself, everybody has their own way. But like you said, being a woman, you know, there, there might be a guy that, you know, wears a, a lucky bright pink hat, you know, out when he's hunting. Um, he's not, nobody's going to notice that as much as a girl that has makeup or, you know, a nice hat on or doesn't get her own gear. I just feel like every, everything for whatever reason women do is under a, under a brighter microscope, I guess. Um, and it's not fair. It's not fair on the good and the bad side of it, but that's just how it is. And, and we are being watched. Well, I think it's, it's strange and it goes across the whole like hunting industry and like we, I mean, I don't consider us being like in the hunting industry, although we do have a voice, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to some degree. Um, but like for for us is like we're just happy, um, you know, to harvest an animal with a bow. It doesn't doesn't really matter. And mm-hmm. um, a, a couple things I read, like one of your, I was like going through your Instagram and like looking at like some of your posts and and, and everything. And uh, one of the things that you had said was. You know, you something you've killed more animals, first of all, than John or I, you know, have as far as species and things like that. But you said, you know, you don't know how many that you've killed or which one this was, but you just want everyone to be as exciting as it was the first mm-hmm. time, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's kind of like what, what we do here. Like, we don't judge people one way or the other on what they shoot. It's mm-hmm. just as long as they're happy about it, right? But exactly. uh, but the other side of that is is I kind of like I uh, you know that like I said uh, if I see a pretty girl with a big buck, um, I think one way. But if I see a pretty girl or any girl, it doesn't really matter. Um, with a little buck, I think that's uh-huh. so much better because you have that stigma where like it's a little deer. Like everybody has the excuse, well, it's not the biggest deer in the world, but. Um, you know, and then, but I'm, I'm, I feel like it's a more real, um, post or whatever, um, when it's not the biggest deer in the woods, you know what I mean? That they're, they're excited about it. And that's kind of a lot about telling the whole story too. And I, I, I always, I always hate that when somebody feels the need to say, I know it's not the biggest buck or it may not be a trophy, you know, because they know there's that stigma and they might, you know, hear about shooting a little buck. And I wish, I wish nobody felt that way. Because truly, they're all, they're all a trophy. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I'm just as quick to shoot a fork and horn buck as I was the buck I got this year. You know, I mean, I, I literally would shake like a leaf and cry like a baby, no matter what it was. Um, so I just, I, I hope people never lose that. And, and with social media, it can be a lot harder, harder to to get it, you know, to feel excited about sharing that success. And I, and I hate that. I absolutely hate that. Um, but... Yeah, I <laughs> I will be just as quick to shoot a forward horn next year, and I will be just as excited about it when when it you know when I recover it, and and that will never change. If it does, there again, you can slap me because I, that's yeah, that's why we do what we do. Um, it, and it's it, go, it runs so much deeper than what you see in a picture. And I also think you know if somebody's if somebody's being that true voice of a hunter on social media, you're going to see it that way you know you see let's say you see that pretty girl with the with the big buck you know go back a few years and you'll see that she posted you know something with a spike bull or you know oh i missed a buck today or you know 
killed it killed a hen instead of a big tom during turkey season you know if 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 they're being true to themselves and just sharing their story you're gonna see those ups and downs of their experience too and i, I that's another reason i feel it's important to share your whole story not just the highlights i you know everybody's facebook page is a highlights reel and i like to show the real parts of it um the down and dirty part the sad parts the highs and lows of hunting and I think if you're showing that, people are even going to celebrate even more with more with you when you do get that big buck. You know, they're going to know, gosh, you know, I've watched her. She, you know, she's had some bad years. She struggled. You know, she shot some small bucks. But how cool is it to see her fight? You know, she's worked so hard. It's so cool to see her with this token young buck or, you know, this trophy. Um, so let people see your vulnerabilities so that they can share in your strengths and your successes as you go. Yeah, that's that's like right on track with our uh, with our mentality yeah. especially if, if, yeah. if people were to look at our youtube channel and you could see uh adam's five yard turkey shot this year and then uh and then frank he had a what, 12 yard shot shot it through the fan and stuff so yeah. we definitely we have more downs than ups right now oh for sure especially with turkeys <laughs> oh, so. i could talk for hours <laughs> We had so much fun this year hunting turkeys and, you know, we, we were videoing the whole thing and, and that was almost more fun than anything else because you didn't have to like try and explain it. And like, it didn't, wasn't, you had to be there. It was like, you you could just show over and over and over and, you know, again and again, um, you know, I mean this, you'll have to watch the video. It's. I will. I will. You have me really curious now. Yeah, it is. I mean. I can tell you that uh, that decoy really deflates when you shoot them with a dirt nap broadhead. <laughs> oh, yeah. This was my first year trying to reap a turkey, and you want to see some ridiculous footage. <laughs> Total unsuccess. <laughs> but it was fun. Oh, uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, and, and, and so, like... <laughs> On on that note, like, uh, you know, what animals have you hunted and harvested and um, what are some of your goals as far as like animals that you'd still like to kill or, or, or things you'd like to hunt with a bow? Sure. Um, well, I'm pretty much, I mean, I, I stick to Oregon. I, ha- you know, I have so many tags in my pocket and it's hard to, you know, want to spend the money or, or take the time to leave my home state when I have when I have these unpunched tags in my pocket. So most of my honey is done in Oregon. And my absolute favorite is uh, Rocky Mountain elk. Um, I love hunting the east side of our state. Um, a close second would be blacktail, um, Columbia blacktail. They are truly the gray ghosts, and they are so much fun to hunt. Um, in recent years, I've started um, doing more spot and stock and stand hunting for muleys, like velvet muleys in the early season. Um, had a lot of fun starting to see a little bit of success there. Um, definitely more luck of the draw to hunt muleys in the early season because they're not in the rut. So you're pretty much at the mercy of, you know, <clears throat> their patterns. Um, but so much fun to hunt. Um, turkey is right up there just because we can hunt them. Like right now we have a fall season going on and then we have a spring season. Like I said, you can kill five turkeys a year. Um, so I spend a lot of time doing that, um, just because it's a great way to get my kiddo out with me or anybody for that matter um and you can do a lot of it close by so i can just zip out for a morning hunt before even before work if i want to so uh, i spend a lot of time on turkey 
Um, I always have a bear tag in my pocket. I have yet to take one with my bow. That's probably the top of my bucket list as far as archery hunts. I want to kill a black bear with my bow. Um, I always have a cougar tag. have yet to get a shot at one. Um, we hunt antelope. Um, you don't draw tags very often in Oregon. But um, I did get to go on a pretty, pretty good hunt in our state um, a few years back. and got a nice buck there. Um, beyond that, I've hunted pigs um, in California. Those are a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, I hunted whitetail in Missouri once. Um, and whitetail in Montana once. And beyond that, I would love to do an Alaskan moose hunt. And caribou is probably probably my top two as far as what I'd like to, what I'd like to hunt. And so, um, you know, there's the, the whole pretty girl, big buck thing. Um, <laughs> you killed a, a pretty substantial mule deer this year. Um, take us through like your, what went into that hunt and like, how big was that mule deer? It looks like it's, it, he's, well, <laughs> I think he's just, he is, at least in Oregon, he was a true giant. And I can't say skill had anything to do with it. I just finally got lucky. And if if, if that's the last buck I kill, I will die a happy girl. Um, <laughs> I have no ex- expectations of ever killing anything like that again, nor had I even come close before then. But he was a perfect example of what I was telling you about that early season velvet muley hunt. I'm so used to hunting you know, elk during the rut, you know, you're trying to sneak up on them. Um, same with our blacktail hunts in late season, they're rutting, you know, you can rattle them in. You, you can, you can manipulate the hunt as it goes, you know, and change things as the hunt goes with this certain area that we were hunting. It's all pretty much reprod. So there's not a lot, a lot of opportunity for spot and stock, um, which is awesome as well. But this certain spot we were hunting this year, they're just, spot and stock is not an option you just you can't see anything so we um you know we did the the typical you know go in in april may set up salt licks you know when they're all starting to grow antlers and just kind of start watching the population you know try to catch their patterns um setting up cameras on trails trying to see you know okay when they leave when they leave the salt where are they going to bed you know trying to follow them so most of the work is done far prior to the season you know you're literally setting out i mean in one area we'd set out four or five cameras just trying to pattern these bucks you know knowing full well that when archery season started and they started to rub the velvet it was gonna the whole pattern was gonna change and everything we had learned would be useless but you still you know the fun of trying and trying to see what's there how many you know big bucks how many bucks at all how many does um so a lot of you know all the preparation happened in those summer months. And by the time season started, you know, you'd go up and pick your spot, you know, over the trail that you think is going to be the best shot, you know, hang a tree stand or a blind, whatever the case may be. And you're putting all your chips on that. You know, I mean, you're, you're sitting in that stand come opening morning, just hoping you made the right choice. Like, Oh my gosh, I hope, I hope the other trail that we were looking at, you know, gosh, is there, there's probably a buck walking down that right now, you know, and I'm missing my opportunity. And here I am sitting in this tree, just hoping, you know, the big buck I've been watching comes by and you have no control over it. And, and that is a really new concept for me, not being able to, to have any 
any say in what happens, you know, I mean, it's like, if I'm in an elk hunt, and I blow a, a weird bugle, or my bugle cuts out, and the bull doesn't come in, I can own that, it's my fault, you know, I screwed up the call, but at the same time, I might make the exact right sound, or the perfect cow call, or the perfect bugle that brings him in, you know, so in that, in those moments, you have a say in how that hunt plays out, and at the point on this mule deer hunt, I had no say. I was just a sitting duck, and I ended up actually having to sit in a blind because the wind was so horrible where the tree stand was going to be that I had to set up a blind on the other side where there were no trees. So I'm like, ah, this is really not ideal. I don't like being on the ground. The wind's funky. You know, I'm just sitting here just praying, you know, the cars line up for me. And I get a shot at any buck. I mean, we had we had some small bucks coming in. I was willing to take them all. I wanted to fill the <laughs> freezer. I wanted my son to be a part of it. My whole family was back at camp. Um, I was looking for the overall experience with the people I was with. Um, granted, I would love a big buck, but I'm, that's not what I'm about, especially when my whole family's there. I want, I want to share it with everyone. So I'd rather small buck with my whole family back at camp than be on a solo kill a 200 inch meal deer i mean that that's truly how i view it it's my family first and um so that morning i was just um my boyfriend stacy was with me and we were just sitting in the blind and he wasn't hunting he had a rifle tag this year so he was just kind of there for moral support and actually a four point came in on the edge kind of far out and I could see him, but he was really wary. I mean, it was like he zoned right in on the blind right away. And and then he just tiptoed off. And I'm like, oh, that was my chance. I knew they wouldn't like this blind. I know the wind's swirling. The thermals are all over the place. And I, I really thought, I'm like, that was my chance. This, this stand is, you know, dead now. It just seems like once you've blown them out, word spreads and they never come back. <laughs> it's just how it is. And it wasn't. 10 minutes later that I realized why God hadn't brought that four point in because I heard a noise and saw a little buck come in and I'm like, cool. Okay, here we go. And then all of a sudden there was a bucket like seven yards in front of the blind. And all of a sudden there were bodies everywhere. And it was just like this herd of bucks was just going down the trail one by one in front of us. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And about this time, I, I, if you see my buck, you'll see he has funky little uh, points coming off the back that he was, you know, I've never seen a buck that had those. And I instantly saw those in the distance and I knew it was him. I even whispered to Stacy, I'm like, it's him, you know, like him, <laughs> all capital letters. My eyes were huge. And um, I really never thought in a million years I would get a shot at this buck, but I was seeing him, which never happened that big buck that you always see on your cameras but you never see in person you know you just dream about and I was actually seeing him in person so it was almost like you know I'm good if this is all I get this will be fine I'll you know I'll kill one of these smaller bucks he's never going to come in but I got to see him and everything just kind of played out they all started moving around and the big buck came in and I thought he was going to come head on which I didn't really want that shot so I was still just kind of biding my time trying to see which buck was going to give me the best shot and all of a sudden, he turned broadside, and I could see his vitals. I couldn't, he was kind of blocked by the other deer on the other side, but I could see his vitals. So I went ahead and drew, and the buck that was closest to me, I don't know if he heard me. I don't know if he sensed something. Um, I have no idea, but it kind of made him spook, 
and the other two that were kind of, you know, blocking the view of my buck's head and his butt, it's like the waters parted. And all of a sudden, all that was standing there was my buck. The other smaller bucks had just kind of dispersed off to the side. And he was just standing there like, what's wrong with you guys? You know, why are you so spooky? And gave me a 22-yard shot. And I, as soon as I let the arrow go, it was like, it hit, you know, <laughs> I, the whole process just started. Thank goodness I held it together. But after that, I just lost it. I mean, it's like, did I, did that just really, I, I, did that just really happen? I heard the arrow hit, the shot felt great. And he took off and Stacy couldn't see the shot. He was kind of tucked back in the blind, just trying to stay out of view. And I never see my arrow hit. I absolutely never see my arrow hit. And... I just knew the shot felt great. I knew the exact distance. I knew I had been calm. I checked my bubble. I mean, I did all the steps I was supposed to, but still didn't see where that arrow hit. So we, it was really cold that morning, and it was first light, so we decided to let it go the full 45 minutes an hour before we got out, just in case, just in case it was a marginal hit, just because I didn't know. And that was the longest hour of my entire life. <laughs> I, I Oh, every emotion you can possibly imagine I went through trying, trying to keep it together just in case it was a marginal hit or whatever the case may be. And uh, finally, I was watching the clock. I think I shot him at 7.01 and at 8.01, <laughs> I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he didn't go, gosh, maybe a little over 100 yards. And his blood trail was a river. And if you, you actually, I posted the video of us recovering him on it. It's, actually pretty embarrassing, but I felt it was something I needed to share just because it was such an emotional moment. But I cried like a baby when I, when I saw his antler sticking up out of some sagebrush and the reprod. And, um, yeah, then the tears just started <laughs> started streaming down my face and then you make the phone calls and my brother wasn't that far away. He was in his stand with his wife and they came over. I called my dad back at camp. He brought my son out. He hiked, you know, the two miles out to where we were at and helped us um, quarter up the quarter up the deer. He packed out the back strap and the tenderloins by himself, <laughs> the two miles out. And it was, you know, from then on, that's that thing talking about whether it had been a spike or, you know, the big six by five that I shot. And I, yeah, I guess I should say, five and we had been watching him all year we he just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and i honestly to tell you the truth i still haven't scored him he's he is at the taxidermist but i i will have him scored but it really doesn't matter to me <laughs> he he's my trophy and i'm perfectly if i if i never know the score of his antlers i'm totally good with that because he was my trophy and and probably the best buck i will ever kill but um he he was gorgeous and he is he he's a true oregon giant for what we have in the state so i i was definitely blessed that day and like i said it was completely luck i had no control over it he happened to come into my stand that morning and i happened to have a shot and i took it you know it was it was no no super story or there was no super skill involved but i will tell you this i i and we my whole family we work hard to you know to create those opportunities for ourselves we are out there all summer checking cameras um hiking into stands you know hiking out salt walks and watching these populations and seeing what we have 
um, and making sure our populations are healthy before we do hunt an area. And so we, we put in the time, no doubt. But at that moment, it was pure luck, and it's just meant to be. I think that's kind of like what this whole thing is for us is like, it's a family thing and it's something that, you know, just, just to be able to, to share it and to, to, you know, to have that experience with and share with other people, um, Mm -hmm. is amazing. And, you know, when it, when it all works out like that, it's it's mm-hmm. just one of those things, and it's funny that you say that. Like having no control is like it's that, that's like a double edged sword here because that's like our white tail season. Like you can put in all the work, and you know we're we're certainly working towards the the side of you know having some control of like saying, well, I know where this deer is, and I'm going to go in and kill him. Right. But you still he could get up and walk the other way. Right. But when we were out elk hunting, like there was one day where we. John and I split up and he was sitting here and I was sitting there and we were not moving and calling. And I was like, what the hell are we doing? This is so <laughs> stupid. Like, this is just wasting time. Like, I'm just sitting here. Yeah. Like, static yeah. hunting at, at, after that, it was like, I hate whitetail hunting. <laughs> you know, like we talked around the way home, like how are we going to go back and sit in a stand? I'm like, this sucks. You know? <laughs> We bust our butts for elk season. I guess that's what makes makes it okay to sit and stand for, for deer season. So we'll do that a lot for blacktail, too. Yeah. And it is, so, you know, for a couple of days, it's nice just to watch the world go by. You know, they're completely unaware that you're there. Um, but, man, oh, it's it's hard. It's it's a hard pill to swallow when you realize you can't do anything different. It's like, especially where we were at, it's like, I am sure to bust anything out of this reprod if I try to get up and go after them. You know, I'll, I had to do my homework ahead of time, and now this is where you're at. <laughs> you're just going to have to sit here and wait. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's a different kind of hunting. Uh, it's not, it, uh, And honestly, that, that hunt right there is pretty, pretty untypical for what we normally do. We usually like to put our boots in the dirt. And we're out, you know, calling out, climbing mounts, you know, 10, 12 miles a day. Um, so it's not typical to sit in a blind for 14 hours waiting for something to come to you. Um, but I, I have learned to appreciate it. And, and obviously when it, when it does, when it does all come, come together, it's very rewarding. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the reward there is, you know, it, it, it almost always seems like it's the most unlikely of times like uh Uh the buck i killed last year was like this is the worst hunt i've ever been on this is so stupid like i don't even know what i'm doing here i'm just biding my time and then you know 25 minutes later like i'm tagged out and it was the greatest day ever you know so it's it's just one of those that that's why we do it that's why we go out and hunt and and It it, and it doesn't matter the i mean as long as you're happy with the the outcome right be it you know, the... And you, you need to be happy with it either way, you know. I mean, that's half the fun of hunting. It's like, at any given moment, it can get really, really exciting. At it, you know, and and if you told me I, I'd never kill another animal again, it truly wouldn't change what I'm doing. Because I love the encounters. You just never know when all of a sudden there's going to be a bull standing there. Or, you know, all of a sudden a bear is walking down the trail at you. Or, you know... You, you get a lost calf that comes in. I've had him lick my camera before. You know, it's like <laughs> you just never know when those encounters are going to happen. And that 
that's why I'm out there. I, if I was out there just for the kill, I would be disappointed 99.9% of the time. Right. And I just, I want to be, that's my way of connecting with nature. And that's, for me, that's, that's what it's about. And, and, and the people you're with, you know, if I didn't have, have Stacy or my brother to look over, you know, 20 yards away in the woods and kind of, you know, with that look on my face, like, did that just happen? If I didn't have, you know, those people to share it with, it wouldn't mean as much either. So it's that it's just it's the whole package of being with my family and having those encounters and connecting with nature. That's how I do it. Well, I think it's pretty easy, you know, from our, you know, five minute, 10 minute conversation at ATA to see that, you know, it was a, a pretty good fit to have you on here because it kind of aligns with with everything that that we kind of do anyways. You know, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I mean. You know, we may be less classy and more crude, but, um, <laughs> you know, we're, I found my perfect fit. <laughs> we're, we're still trying to, trying to, trying to do the same thing. Um, and, and so for, for people like me that have like young daughters or, um, you know, for, for women out there that are trying the adult onset hunting or, um, you know, people trying to get into it. Um, uh-huh. you know, what advice do you have for, you know, the, the new female hunter or, um, you know, like, like I say, like myself, like with, with daughters uh-huh. trying to, I mean, I, all I do is trying to include her and in everything that I'm doing. And if she likes right. it, great. If she doesn't, then, well, right. you know, well, as far as, especially women and, and, and kids in general, I do a lot with women and kids. It's important to, um, Sometimes it's hard as a spouse or as a parent to be the teacher. I mean, even with my own kid, sometimes I'll tell him something and then I'll take him to a kid's clinic and they'll tell him the same thing. And it's like he's hearing it for the first time. It's like, wow, mom, you were right. (laughs) So I think it's important to get, you know, for them to have a place to go learn. Um, I, we do, um, in Oregon, I think there's lots of them that are kind of starting in the U.S., but in Oregon, and we have one in Utah called Ladies Hunting Camp, and it's a place where women can go and learn everything there is to know about hunting, right down to field dressing an elk and quartering up an elk, how to use a GPS, how to, um, trailer handling, um, how to set up a tree stand, how to shoot from a tree stand, all, you know, all these different things. They learn how to shoot a bow, a rifle. Those kind of resources that were never around when I was getting started or when most women were getting started, um, there are so many out there. And same for youth. Um, there are so many of those things out there. And I would just say get, you know, get them involved. Find, find there's a lot of, lot of women on social media that are so approachable and they are wonderful. I, I could give you the names of about 100 of them. Um, that you can, you know, ask questions to. There, there's so many approachable, reachable people and resources, you know, just simply with the click of a keyboard um, that can lead you to those, you know, hands-on experiences that are now being offered. Um, you know, even just your local local stores, you know, your Cabela's, your Bass Pro Shops, they have, you know, things for kids and women, lots of ladies' days, um, where women can go and, you know, feel unthreatened to ask what they consider those dumb questions you know it's like I they don't you know they don't even know where to start how do I how do I even get started and it's a place where they can go and get started and meet other women that's the coolest thing is when you start getting involved in these you meet other women that might be in the same situation you know it's like I have no one to hunt with I'm looking for a hunting partner let's go out and make all these mistakes together and learn together 
Um, so it's created, social media especially, has created such a network of women that, you know, your, your resources are unlimited. You can, you can reach all walks of life um, and learn so much that way. And same with kiddos, obviously, you know, your parents are the ones on social media, but you can, you can access so many events and calendars and, and, you know, your state department of fish and wildlife, they have lots of things that, you know, are more available and visible through social media. Um, so just reaching out, you know, and, and looking for those types of things to get your kiddos and women and, and, and guys, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that have never, never been hunting or, you know, don't even know where to start. Didn't come from a hunting family. Where, where do they even go to start? Um, you know, there's so many things available to us now that, um, that's one good thing about social media. You know, you guys, that's definitely one of the highlights where you have everything is that is right at your fingertips, literally. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're fortunate that we're part of a, a local Bowman's club here and they do have youth things. Mm -hmm. and, um, a, a lot of that. And like I say, that, that whole social aspect, you know, going forward with, with my daughter is the one thing that I'm just like, I'm interested to see. Cause my, you know, my, you know, so Frank being my father-in-law is like Grizzly Adams and my, <laughs> my wife, like, I don't know if she was like never asked to go hunting or like whatever. I mean, she's turkey hunted with me like a few times. Mm -hmm. and she says that, you know, she will never kill a deer. She just has no desire. She's like, well, I'll, I'll come out and I'll, I'll film for you or I'll video, but I don't know if I can have you shoot one or like, I don't know, well, then why uh -huh. are you coming out there? I don't know. I guess we could spend time together, but, right. you know. right. <laughs> but, you know, she, and she's killed the turkey and, and, but the, that's the thing with the, the turkey hunting is she could give or take the, the actual turkey hunt, but it's the riding around with her dad and, you know, eating snacks <laughs> and. Sure sleeping yeah. out in the woods and eating gas station food <laughs> and it's the whole package just like we were saying <laughs> right right and that kind of like my oldest daughter she's 25 and she grew up you know she was in my backpack when i was out scouting and she was right along <laughs> the whole time she did her hunter safety we'd go turkey hunting and she'd go turkey hunting but she's like dad i don't want to shoot a gun she she didn't like shooting a gun so then i got her a bow and she's yeah. like i'll just go with you dad you know i don't need to kill anything but i just want to go with so she'd come with and she'd sleep under the tree with me same thing yep. even with fishing she talks about i got the best naps when i would go out fishing with you dad so i'd we'd go out <laughs> walleye fishing at night and she'd just come out lay down in front of the boat and, i and, love it and so it was just a matter of just being with me for but, sure you know and so she didn't she didn't take to the, but I didn't push her either. I didn't make her, you know, you're going to go out and hunt and kill. And, right. You know, you got to just let them take their path. Give them the option. Yes. You got to do it on their terms. I mean, right. I've, I've taken Jesse out, you know, even on a, on a short elk hunt, you know, the easiest elk hunt in the world, just hoping he might hear a bugle or something. And literally it might be 20, 30 minutes. And he's like, mom, my legs are tired. I'm done. <laughs> and that's okay. You know, because rather than push him. And make him stay out there for eight hours or hike canyon after canyon. You think I'm going to get him up the next day to do it again? No. Yep. <laughs> He's going to remember that and never want to go again. So it really does have to be done on their terms. you got to put yourself in their shoes. Make it make it fun. 
regardless of how how short or how you know brief the encounter might be but do it on their terms and and you know make it a fun experience so that they do want to go again and pretty soon their love of hunting if, if it if it is to be you know um will will develop on its own yeah that's where i'm at now my youngest my son is six he just turned 16 so he that's been my goal the last few years is i've been focusing trying to get him a deer and so it's been a process like mm-hmm. last year i didn't even kill anything i i filmed a lot and then it was mainly just trying to focus on getting a spot where he could kill a deer because we were hunting in the restricted zone where you had to at least have three on one side so but it's been i remember back i did take him gun hunting his when he was i think we could get the mentored youth back then and i remember he had a fanny pack and it was nothing but snacks and (laughs) he had a sandwich and by I think 8.30, he had his lunch gone, his drink box, his juice boxes were gone. He's like, and then he heard a bunch of shooting. He's like, Dad, we need to go over there. I'm like, no, that, those deer are already shot, buddy. <laughs> and by like 9 o'clock, we were back at the truck. It was, you know, but and I'm like, we're, you know, we're out here to hunt. We drove two hours to get up here to hunt. But at that point, I'm like, well, it was for him. You know, at the, you, you got to, as a parent, you just got to put your own needs aside and yes and uh focus on the kids and let it let them have fun because if you burn them out and you're and you're you're happy to i mean i can't out of all the fun i've had the day that jesse gets his first buck or turkey is going to outshine anything i could possibly ever do i i already know that just the thought of it gets me excited and and i hope he's as as excited. I know a lot of parents that probably get more excited than their kids do, <laughs> but, but I am so looking forward to that day. Well, so I'm not even thinking about that. Like you guys telling your stories and like you talking about, uh, you know, taking your son on the easiest elk hunt in the world. Like this is, <laughs> this is not a joke. Uh, my daughter can call elk better than I can. That's and, true. <laughs> and, and like, I would just love to see her face if something answered back oh. because that would be, like the ultimate, but like my daughter's already like, she's like, dad, can we do a YouTube video? And I'm like, okay. And so she'll get out her elk call, her deer call, her cow call, her binoculars, a rangefinder, and give like a whole tutorial on oh, like how, that. how everything works. And she's like, this is my rangefinder. It's really special. My daddy gave it to me. And then <laughs> she keeps on going. I love like, that. She's gonna, she's going to be that next classy person on social media. She's going to be that girl. <laughs> my daughter's going to be the classy huntress on Instagram that has a dip in and like, it's like has a buck over her shoulders and I love it. a bush light because that's you betcha. <laughs> I love it. I think that's perfect. Uh, well, the one, one of the questions I always ask is what is your bow setup right now? My bow setup. Well, I've, I kind of have two favorites this year. Um, I'm I, I'm shooting the Bowtech Realm series. I have a Realm and a Realm SS. Um, love them both. I honestly don't know that I could choose between them. Um, on both of them, I run a tight spot quiver. I run um, Vapor Trail VTX string and cables. I run. I have a Limb Driver Pro V um, rest on on one of them, and then I have the Vapor Trail Gen Seven on the other. Um, 
I run Spot Hog Sites. Uh, I was fortunate enough to actually grow up with the guys that own that company. I went to school with them, and they're right in my hometown. So I love to support them. I have a Spot Hog Fast Eddie XL on my SS, and I have a Hunter 5 pin on my realm. Oh, what else do I have on there? I run Spider Archery um, Stabilizers. I shoot Carbon Express Maxima 250 Arrows with um, 100 grain 3 blade Wacom Broadheads. Um, what else? What else is on there? That's probably the gist of it. I run, I shoot a Spot Hog um, Wise Guy release. Um, that's probably the gist of my setup. What's your poundage? Um, I one of them set at fifty three, and the other set at fifty eight. I kind of had one of each. I had a my realm was kind of my tree stand blind bow, turkey bow, more sitting down shots, and then my SS was a sixty pounder that I set up for more elk hunting and and uh, spot and stock deer. So, Bowtech. I was just up at our local uh, uh, dealer. And he was mm-hmm. talking about the new Bowtech. I, just, I can't remember what the name of it is. Uh, it's one of the art. I can't remember it now. Now I'm yeah, drawing a blank. What's, 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 what, what's there a new one that just came out? Like uh, It almost looks like a Target. The Target Riser. It looks like a Target Riser, but it's a hunting. It's in it's camo version. I'm, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank right now. I sound like an idiot. But, <laughs> um, but do you, I mean... What do you think of the new lineup coming up? You know that uh, that Botech has. That Botech has any others? You know, um, the kind of the, the last few years, the, the Realm series has come out, and um, honestly, they Botech has gotten really good about targeting, so to speak, <laughs> quote unquote, targeting every kind of shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, this this Realm series that is out right now, and we, I mean, we haven't released, you know. The, or anything, but the Realm series that has come out in the last two years covers every basis you can imagine. I honestly, like I said, my brother is part of the, the tech team with me. We're a brother-sister bow hunting team. And there's four realms. There's the Realm, the Realm SS, the Realm SR6, and the Realm X. Um, and each each one has its own attributes. Um, for instance, I'm shooting the Realm and the Realm SS. My brother Ryan, he shoots the SR6 and the X and absolutely love both of them. So, like anything, I tell people to go shoot them all. Um, you know, depending on what, what you like for a brace height, what you like for axle-to-axle. If you're a speed guy, if you're more of a smooth draw, smooth draw person, um, there is something for everybody. For me, I'm more about a smooth draw. I get, I get really, my adrenaline starts pumping. Um, and in the heat of the moment, the hardest thing for me to do is draw my bow. Um, or, or let it back down if I need to. I need something super smooth. And for me, the Realm and the Realm SS actually stands for super smooth. I think we talked about that when you guys were in the booth. And for me, that is where it's at, um, even if I lose a couple feet per second in speed. Um, the SR6 actually stands for speed redefined, and it's got a six-inch brace height. Um, is more of the speed, though. Still super smooth, honestly. You're, you're splitting hairs. But if you are that speed guy, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get more, the IBO is higher on that one. The Realm X is going to be more for the extended range shooting, maybe the taller guys, a little longer axle to axle, different, different feel on the draw. Um, still very smooth, but, you know, not as smooth as the SS. So um, they've truly, re- I'm, 
when they build a bow, they build a family of bows. And that's what I love that they've started to do. So it's not necessarily, none of them are women specific necessarily, but there's something for everyone, you know, from women to, you know, six foot six guy, there is something for everybody. Um, and you, I guess you'll just have to come see us at ATA again this year to, yeah. to see what the new ones are. <laughs> I was trying to but think yeah. of the, the reckoning. The reckoning. Yeah. That's the one we released last year. Yeah. That, that new target bow. Yeah. Yeah. It's got yep. like the, it's got a long grace height and. Yep. Yep. And it yeah. had some of the new technologies, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and Frank did end up getting the the Realm SS. And he uh, did, yes. Yep. And he's I yes. I mean, when you were talking about your poundages, I'm like, they're shooting the same bow. Like if, if yeah. you guys were left handed yeah. you could switch. And I'm not a big proponent I mean, I'm not I'm not a big weight person. I honestly a lot of times I'll just shoot a fifty pound bow just because I don't want people and especially women thinking they have to shoot a sixty pound bow or have to be pulling a ton of poundage. Because, you know, as a 50-pound bow now is the same as a 70-pound bow was 20 years ago. Right. I mean, you're getting – the efficiencies are just incredible. So I'm not a big proponent of pulling a lot of weight. But that SS was so smooth that it was the one year I decided to push the envelope a little bit just because it drew so smooth. I mean, at 58 pounds, it felt like 50. Um, so it's, it's actually the first bow I have ever done that with just because I felt like in the heat of the moment or, you know, if I was cold, I would still be able to draw this bow with ease and it wouldn't be, you know, pointed at the sky type thing. And I could let it down and draw back again if I needed to. Um, and it's, and, and, and we still have the flip the, the draw cycle, you know, from comfort to performance. So it, it, it puts those mountains and valleys in a little bit different positions. So on comfort, you're getting the bulk of that pull towards the front of the draw rather than at the end. So you can change it, you know, you can tweak your, the draw to even fit you further once you've chosen your bow just right. by flipping that little, that flip disc on the, the, the mod on the cam. So um, you have lots of options. It, you truly can dial dial in a bow for each person. I, I just love it. I, I'm happy you got the SS. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, he's super happy with it. You know, he used to work at uh, a bow shop like... You, we think we say like twenty years ago is a long time ago. Like this what, was like 40, yeah, 40 years ago. Yeah, the back when. Well, he was he worked at Spring Sporting Goods when when the first compound the first combos compounds came out. So nice. That's amazing. That's amazing. But uh, I, I I wish I could go back to them and and grow with them. I honestly I wish I I wish I had been one of those people that learned to shoot instinctually, like on a longbow or a compound or a recurve. Just so I'd have that experience, you know, I went right to compound and one of these days I'm going to, I'm going to have to try it just, just to, just to learn to shoot that way. But to have, to have come up with archery, you know, from the time it really got going till now, man, those those guys have seen a lot. I've seen nothing compared to them. Well, I'm kind of dating myself, but I started out, you know, my dad, well, of course, Frank, my uncle working in Springs, my dad actually painted bows because Years ago, you got a bow. It was all shiny. It it, it didn't come camouflaged. Uh-huh. So my dad would take all the bows at the other, it was called Angler Archery back at the time. That was the other pro shop in town. And he would take all the bows. And if they wanted to spend 15 or 20 bucks extra, he would bring the bow to our place and he would camouflage it and stuff. And That's awesome. With little deer head silhouettes. and st- But but I grew up, I had to shoot. I started out with one of the little red bears recurves. Then I had another recurve, 
and then I've got my first compound bow, but I had no sights, just had a flipper rest, and I had to shoot fingers, and he's like, you hit the, hit the bale first, then hit a plate on the bale, and then I remember I graduated to just a single brass pin, and we had taken, dip it in some, you know, like my mom's fingernail polish and put like a red dot on it or white and and then i love it yeah and then the old hot shot releases that's what my dad always shot it was just a two finger uh-huh. thing and uh yeah and then i remember when the wrist the wrist release come out i'm like man that was that was so cool it had a wrist strap and it was a caliper <laughs> so i i had the luck of growing up with my dad and my uncle you know in the industry basically in town right. and so it was it's been that's awesome been pretty cool so that is awesome yeah it, it's fun to watch i mean it's, at some point you know you keep thinking you know these technologies are getting so precise and you know it's like what, what else are we going to come up with i mean at some point you feel like you know the archery industry is going to hit a ceiling i mean how can we keep making these bows better but every year they do yeah <laughs> there's something new that's like wow that is just amazing who would have thought and for for me, you know, like I just married into this family, and so it's like, you know, I just kind of walked into like the, you know, the room of death, like I, you know, and like so I, I mean, I grew up rifle hunting, and we bow hunted, you know, just for time in the woods. Like I, mm-hmm. I've said forever, like I'm the world's worst bow hunter, and it's, I mean, it's, I, I'm getting better, I guess. You know, I'm I'm killing things on a more consistent clip, but. It's like I walked into it and it was like Ace Ventura is like, what a wonderful room of death you have. Like, <laughs> said, and I said, did you kill all these? And he, you know, my father-in-law, he says, yeah, and he's being the tough dad. And and I said, with a bow or a gun? And he says, well, most of them with a bow. And he says, do you but hunt? But I shoot a gun too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but no, but he says, he says, you know, do you hunt? And I said, well, we got 240 acres in the UP. And he says, welcome to the family, son. And like, this is the first day, you know. And so oh, it's just, it's just kind of grown from uh, there, but that's awesome. You know what? I, like I say, like, I, I really appreciate you coming on here. Cause like our ideologies really kind of like align with the, the family aspect and the, you know, the, the kind of attitude towards hunting. Um, and it's just, like I said, you know, listeners wanted to have like a female perspective and I don't think we could have picked a better, like, example or you know representative than than you and it just you know completely happened by happenstance you know just just kind of kind of ran into you but you know when you're when you're going toe-to-toe with john on the intricacies of (laughs) bow cams and then you're like i don't do that i just hunt that's i mean that's kind of uh it's kind of a perfect fit so oh uh, i sure appreciate that thank thank you for inviting me that the honor was mine i've you guys let me just talk my head off for like two hours now so (laughs) (laughs) nobody else lets me do that uh, truth be told they said 20 bucks you can't get her number and i just i had to (laughs) 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 you told me we talk hunting you hit my weakness yeah you know (laughs) But like I say, yeah, I, I was happy to do it. I really appreciate it. And thanks for taking the time sure. with us. And I think that's kind of all we got for today. All right. Well, I sure appreciate it. I hope to see you guys at ATA again. Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to, we're going to definitely make it a point to be there. So maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do another one in, uh, in person this time. 
Sounds good. And you'll you'll hopefully get to meet my brother this year. He was his wife was having a baby last year, so that was the first ATA he had missed. But you'll get to meet my other hunting half. Oh, that'd be awesome. awesome. Perfect. Yeah. So alrighty. Sit down. Sit down.